Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is your brother Hussein Kamani. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please donate to Qalam by visiting supportqalam.com. We love being able to share this content for free, and your donation ensures we are always able to do so. Each podcast we produce has thousands of listeners, so the opportunity for gaining immense reward by supporting our efforts is endless. You never know who will be able to benefit from your donation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept, and jazakumullahu khairan. Assalamu alaikum. The scholars that say that it was later on in her life that Zakaria took custodianship over her, the second group of scholars, they reference the ayah of the Qur'an, أَنْبَتَهَا نَبَاتًا حَسَنًا وَكَفَّلَهَا زَكَرِيَّةً They use the wow for tartib. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed Maryam salam to grow a very beautiful, complete, wholesome, nurturing and growing. أَنْبَتَهَا نَبَاتًا حَسَنًا وَكَفَّلَهَا زَكَرِيَّةً And Zakariya alayhi salam and took her into her took, took, took her into his custody. He took for, he took care of her. So they say the wab is for tartib. It's to establish sequence. Therefore, we can say that Maryam salam came under the care of Zakariya alayhi salam later on in her life. Similarly, they say that Allah subhanahu wa taala says وَكَفَّلَهَا زَكَرِيَّةً Zakariya alayhi salam took her into his custody. كُلَّمَا دَخَلَ عَلَيْهَا زَكَرِيَّ الْمِحْرَابِ And whenever Zakariya alayhi salam came to her, he found fruits there. So they say if he found fruits with her, that means she was no longer nursing from her mother. Which means that puts her at a later stage in her life. So they're connecting the verse together. That he took her into custodianship, he would visit her, he found fruits there, he found provision there, therefore this happened later on in her life. The scholars who hold the first position, that he took custodianship at a younger age, they say, They say that the letter wow does not come, it does not mandate sequence. You know, you don't have to say that akaltu tamar wa tufah and it happened in that sequence that I ate a date and I ate a, and, and, and I, I ate a date and an, uh, an apple. It doesn't mean that it happened in that sequence. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Kulu washrabu. It doesn't mean it has to be in that sequence that you have to eat first and drink second. Drinking first is not allowed. That's not what the Quran is saying. Kulu washrabu. Both things. They're both permissible, they're both allowed. Do both things, eat and drink at the same time. So they hold this second um, position. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا كُنْتَ لَدَيْهِمْ إِذْ يُلْقُونَ أَقْلَامُهُمْ أَيُّهُمْ يَكْفُلُ مَرْيَمْ وَمَا كُنْتَ لَدَيْهِمْ إِذْ يَخْتَصِمُونَ When it came time for Maryam salam to go in the custody of another person, there was a dispute that broke out that whose custody would she go into? Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi alayhi states the following passage, فَقَالَ زَكَرِيَّا أَنَا حَقُّ بِهَا Zakariya alayhi salam said, I am most deserving of her. Khalatuha indi, her maternal aunt is with me. She's under my marriage. And as we know in the, in the riwayah, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Khala badarjatul um, that the khala is in the position of the mother. In the absence of the mother, the khala, the, mother, the sister of the mother, becomes the one who will, who's most deserving and worthy to take care of the child. The statement of the Prophet ﷺ was actually stated in a scenario of um, conflict when it came to custody. There was a child whose custody was debated and the Prophet ﷺ said this, that the khala is in the place of the mother. So he said, خَالَتُهَا عِنْدِي وَكَانَتْ عِنْدَهُ أَشْيَعْ بِنْتُ فَاقُودُ أُخْتُ حَنَّةً 
Bint Faqud Umm Maryam, so he's saying that um, he was married to Maryam alayhi salam's aunt. وَقَالَ بَنُوا إِسْرَائِيلَ نَحْنُ وَحَقُّ بِهَا The people of Banu Israel on the other side, they said, you're not worthy of her, we are worthy of her. بِنْتُ عَالِمِنَا Because she was a daughter of our scholar. Imran was a great scholar of ours, he was a great worshipper of ours, everyone respected him. So his daughter will be treated like our daughter. فَاقْتَرَعُوا عَلَيْهَا وَجَاءَ كُلُّ وَاحِدٍ بِقَلَمِهِ وَاتَّفَقُوا أَنْ يَجْعَلُوا الْأَقْلَامَ فِي الْمَاءِ الْجَارِ فَمَنْ وَقَفَ قَلَمُهُ وَلَمْ يَجُرَّهُ الْمَاءُ فَهُوَ حَاضِنُهَا They agreed that they would all bring their pens, and these were pens that they would write the Torah with, a very sacred belonging. And they would put these pens in flowing water, and whichever pen would not flow with the current of the water and remain in its place, would be the one that was selected by Allah and he would take custody over the child. فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَجَرَتِ الْأَقْلَامُ وَعَالَ قَلَمُ When they put their pens into the water, into the river, all of the pens moved on down the stream and it was Zakariya pen that stayed in its place and therefore she came into the custody of Sayyidina Zakariya alayhi salam. Zakariya alayhi salam for a long part of his life, longed for a child. He desired a child. He wanted a child of his own, like many parents. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, يَهَبُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ إِنَاثًا وَيَهَبُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ الذُّكُورُ أَوْ يُزَوِّجُهُمْ ذُكْرَانًا وَإِنَاثًا وَيَجَعَلُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ عَقِيمًا Some Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses with a boy, some Allah blesses with a girl, some Allah pairs with, blesses with a pair. And some Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses no children to. For those of us that have children, know that your children are a very big responsibility. You need to make sure you fulfill the right to that responsibility. It's very easy to become lazy. It's very easy to become careless. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't give you these children, so you oppress them, shout at them, beat them, and release your anger and frustration on them. These children will stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and either testify for you or against you yawm al-qiyamah. This is a reality. Our teacher used to say, with every child, know that you have, been, you have been granted a blessing. With every blessing, there comes a responsibility. With every responsibility, there comes accountability. ثُمَّ لَتُسْأَلُنَّ يَوْمَ إِذِنْ عَنِ النَّعِيمِ Allah Azawajal says that you will be asked regarding every blessing of yours. For those of you that have eyes, you can see, Allah is going to ask you about this. For those of us that can walk, Allah is going to ask you about this. For those of you that have a phone in their hand and they have access to technology and a tablet and laptop, Allah is going to ask you, what did you use this for? I gave this to you. What good could you have done? What good did you do? There are some people who use the technology that Allah has blessed them with for da'wah, for studying, for learning. And there are other people who use this very same technology as a distraction from salah. And the irony in that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gave you that as a blessing and you now use the blessing of Allah to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Urdu we have a saying for this, we call this namak haram. Namak haram means someone who you feed and that person then comes back to you and they show aggression to you. They oppress you. You say to that person that I gave you, you were supposed to be loyal to me. But what happened was I gave you and instead of being disloyal to me, you rebelled against me. 
With every blessing comes with every blessing comes a responsibility. With every responsibility comes great accountability. Don't look at someone who doesn't have a child and have pity on them. Wallahi, have pity on yourself. That what will happen when I stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Some of us, we think that we've done everything because we work hard and provided for our child's education and gave them clothing and took them on holidays and we bought them gadgets. These are partial responsibilities. Your primary responsibility was to make sure that your child has a connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If your child is in their teen years and they still don't have a relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you have to really ask yourself, did I really pass as a parent? Maybe I've given them everything, but if I haven't given them Allah, then in reality I haven't given my children anything at all. Luqman alayhi salam, when he's speaking to his child, his first advice, first advice is what? With qala Luqman ibnihi wa huwa ya'iduhu, ya bunayya, la tushrik billah. Inna shirka la dhulmun azim. His first advice is, don't ever make partners with Allah. He's training his son from a young age to be loyal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to love Allah, to dedicate his life for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look through the wisdom that Luqman alayhi salam imparts on his son. And that's all you see. He's teaching his children who Allah is, who Allah is. I really hope that no parent ever has to choose between what they can and cannot offer to their child. But you, if you ever come to a point where you have to choose, make sure you choose to offer them deen. Make sure you choose to offer them a relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's sad when we see parents coming to the masjid, but their children aren't here with them. It's sad when we see parents involved in religious activity, but their children aren't with them. You know, you ask yourself, what have you done for your child? Remember this. And it really hurts me when I see children growing up and spending their day on tablets and phones. It really bothers me. I go to pick up my kids from school every day. And when I pick them up, I sit in, I st- I sit in the line with all the Sienas and Odysseys around me. I'm sitting in line waiting for my kids. And every kid I see coming into the car, every kid I see walking out of the school doors, these are kids who are barely like eight, nine years old, by the way. Second grade, third grade, fourth grade kids. Every single one of them, guess what they have in their hand? They all have some sort of device in their hand. Half of the time I'm wondering how these kids are even alive. I'm surprised they haven't been hit by a car yet. And I'm not exaggerating. They're literally walking on the sidewalk with a phone in their hand. And I'm like, I feel like pulling my window down and saying, put it away. If you can get hit, if you take a wrong step, this is a road. There are cars on this road. There are a lot of people here. This is not safe for you. But in the world we live in, you dare tell someone else what to do. You dare tell someone else what to do. My kids said to me, Abba, when are we going to get our tablet? I said to them, فَانْتَظِرُوا إِنِّي مَعَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُنْتَظِرِينَ Be patient, for I am patient with you. There is no hurry in this one. It's not happening anytime soon. Not happening anytime soon at all. Wallahu alam, when that time will come, until I don't think it's necessary, I don't plan on it at all. I feel really sad for kids. Their childhood is being robbed away from them because the Apple Play Store, and if that's what it's called, the Apple Market, and the Google Play Store have put up these very attractive games that just take these kids in and they pull them in. And these kids stand no chance against the gaming industry. I'll tell you that much. I have my own fair share of gaming, by the way. Okay? I'll tell you this much. What the gaming industry has become today, they've incorporated such human psychology 
in games that an adult like myself who has an understanding of psychology and, and has studied society and as a community leader, someone who's always involved in this sort of thing, someone like myself, when I look at it, I'm amazed by the millions of dollars they must be pumping into psychologists who are taking control over the psyche of gamers to keep them attracted to the game and paying money into the industry, that when I, as an adult, I feel, I feel like I'm attracted. They've got me on the noose. They can pull me in. Kids have no chance. Do you guys understand? Like as an adult, I'm telling you, I see the problem. I know what they're doing. I know what's happening at this point. I can see the theory coming into play and I'm holding myself back. Making sure, trying my best not to become a target of this horrific industry. And then I look at 14-year-old kids, 13-year-old kids, and I'm like, oh gosh, this one doesn't stand a chance. These guys have put millions of dollars to own you. And guess what? They are going to own you. And unless you don't step back right now, these people are going to take you right into slavery, and you're going to lose six hours a day of your life, and you won't even know where they were gone. These six hours a day, four hours a day you lose to the gaming industry will offer you how much value in your life? Zero value. There's nothing you can do about it. There's a person above you who's a lot more intelligent than you are today, and they are owning you right now. So either you quit and step out, or just get ready to be owned for a good part of your life. If you dedicate six hours a day to gaming, does that sound like a lot to you guys? Do you guys think that's how much people game a day? Or do you think I'm exaggerating? I'm telling you they're more than that. I'm telling you, people who game, game way more than six hours a day. Believe that, Hana, right? Six hours a day is an average amount, I'm telling you. In particular with the gaming industry being connected to cell phones, before when it was on a council, you would spend maybe two, three hours, your mom and dad would get really ticked off, they'd pull the plug out and send you upstairs. And you'd game for the next three hours in your sleep, right? But in a time where gaming is now on the phone, six hours a day, five hours a day is minimal. At the age of 80, you've spent eight, 20 years of your life gaming. It's basic math. At the age of 80, you've spent how many years of your life gaming? 20 years of your life, it's gone. And I do believe parents have a role to play in this. You surely have a role to play in this. Once you're in the problem, then don't come and say, What's, how do I fix it? Because I don't know, honestly. I'm not good at fixing broken glasses. I can tell you how to keep it safe. I can tell you where to keep it on the shelf. I can maybe help you on cleaning techniques. But once you take that glass and you shatter it on the ground, at that point, you can't expect a quick solution. Once the glass is shattered, now in order to fix it again, there's a lot of work that goes into it. You look at parents who have children and sometimes you have pity on them. That, Ya Allah, what happened here? And for a lot of the parents, the simple answer is, Zamana kharabeh. That's what they say. What does that mean? That the times are rough, times are bad. Times are rough, times are bad. We did our best. Inshallah, that's true. Uh, but we have to try harder. Now, for those who don't have children, know that not having a child is also a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said regarding the absence of wealth and how that's a test, The absence of wealth can sometimes lead a person to disbelief. Because you begin to wonder if Allah even loves you. You begin to wonder if Allah even cares. You begin to wonder if Allah is even listening. And the same thing goes with the absence of children. When our community abandons people who can't have children and we're not supporting them, we're not giving hope and himmah to them, 
We're being insensitive and saying things like, you know, maybe it's something you're eating. That doesn't help the situation. Maybe it's your sins. That doesn't help the situation. This person is miskin, miskina. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing them. Why are you going around trying to say there's some problem with them? Maybe the problem is with you. That you're not understanding that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing them. Just today in Mishkat al-Masabih, the last hadith I read as a part of the class. What a beautiful riwayah. I'll share it with you. Sahib um, al-Mishkat, he quotes it. Uh, in his Kitab uh, al-Jana'iz, in, in the first bab, first fasl, he says, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا يُسِبْ مِنْ Whoever Allah wills good for, He afflicts them with difficulty. يُسِبْ مِنْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts them in a difficulty. Zakariya alayhi salam was in a situation like this. Not having a child, going to the park, seeing all the parents walking with their kids. Not having his own child, he sees kids, parents taking their kids out for ice cream. Whose hand does he hold? Parents are encouraging their kids to sit on a, on, a, on a roller coaster. Everything will be okay. And he feels, man, I wish I had my little boy that I could tell everything would be okay. It hurts. You feel lonely. Zakariya felt lonely and he made a lot of dua to Allah. For those people that are struggling to have children, let me just say one thing. Never give up hope in your duas. Never give up hope in your du'as. In your du'as, be very hopeful. Make du'a to Allah that He gives you what's best for you. Right? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, اُدْعُوا اللَّهَ وَأَنْتُمْ مُوْقِنُونَ بِالْإِجَابَةِ When you make du'a to Allah, you should have absolute conviction that Allah is going to accept my du'a. And you must believe. If you are asking Allah for something and Allah isn't giving it to you, you must believe. And I mean this, you must believe. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is withholding that blessing from you because it's best for you this way. Everything comes in its right time. I know we have a tough time accepting that, in particular in a world that we live in where we're used to having control over everything. Now we're being told that we don't have control over our children. Allah gets to control when we get children, how many we get, which one we get. It's a little painful, it could be frustrating too. But learn to just accept it. That it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you when it's best for you. There are examples of people who've waited for 12 years and Allah has blessed them with a child. 15 years Allah has blessed them with a child. And then there are some examples where they make dua to Allah until their death and there is no child. That happens too by the way. And even for those people who don't have children, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will fully compensate and reward them for their sabr in the dunya and wait for what Allah has given to them, what Allah has stored for them in the akhirah. Every person has their unique test in life. Everyone does. There was a lady that I met in London some years back. It's a, a friend. There's a friend of mine. He said to me, "I want to introduce you to this old lady in the community." Uh, he said to me, "This lady is from the people of Jannah." When I heard that, I was like, "Oh, that's a harsh. That's a big statement. How could you say with conviction that someone is from Jannah? You know, you seriously not a. You shouldn't speak with such conviction. In particular, when it comes to a matter that belongs only to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala." Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said regarding people, but that was okay because he was from, he was, uh, he, he, he received revelation, sahib al-wahi. So he said, no, meet this lady, you'll understand. So I met her, old couple, husband and wife, small little home in England, London. Have you guys seen those homes in London? Side of a, size of a closet. I don't know how people live there. I walked inside the home, came to the living room, and this old lady came, and uncle came, they sat down in front of me. And my friend, who's an imam, he introduced me to them. He said, you see these two right here? 
these two, their entire life, all they've done is they've adopted children, taken care of them, provided for them, got them through schooling, got them married, and next, did it again, and did it again. And did, that's all they've done their entire life. They've dedicated their life. And the auntie sitting in front of me, she said, for the last 20 years, now I only focus on children with disabilities. I don't do normal children anymore. Allahu Akbar. I only bring into my home children that have disabilities. She has an elevator as soon as you enter to bring the child up and down the stairs. It's a very ajeeb situation. And I saw this lady and I told myself, wow, this is what he meant. This lady is from the women of Jannah. This makes sense now that someone who is so selfless, so much khidmah for the makhluk, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from such people too. Zakaria alayhi salam had a desire for children and he never gave up. You know, Zakaria alayhi salam was making dua to Allah at a point in his life, washta ala ra'su shayba. What does he say? The hair on his head, ishta'ala. Ishta'ala means to lighten something. Ishta'al, shu'ala, flame. Ishta'ala ra'su shayba. His whole head was kind of like set on fire and all the hair was white. You know, it wasn't even the color that he had. It was, all of his hair was white. And he says regarding his wife, Kanatimrati aqira. His, his wife was also at an age where she could no longer bear children post, you know, uh, menopause. And she's, you know, she's later on into her life where she's no longer bearing children. She's post age where women would generally bear children far into her life. And now she's thinking, and he's thinking, what's going to happen? Sakari alayhi salam is making dua to Allah. He has this desire in his heart and he's making dua to Allah throughout. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Ali Imran in some detail mentions what happened. What happened? Zakariya alayhi salam one day came to visit Maryam alayhi salam. When he came to visit Maryam alayhi salam, he saw some food by her. And the food seemed like it was out of season. He didn't say anything. He left. He came back again. Another day, more fruit, different type of fruit, out of season. Now, in our context, this may not make sense because we're so used to having all fruits in all seasons. But if you go to a part of the world where people don't buy from Walmart and aren't eating, you know, some, aren't eating chemicals that look like fruit, they're eating actual fruit, what you'll see is that they eat fruits in season. You go to someone and say, can I have mango? What will they say? Out of season. Can I have strawberries? What will they say? Out of season. Can I have whatever fruit it is? They'll say either it's in season or it's out of season. 